Hello, welcome to the Book Table Podcast, your audio book club. I'm Fee and I'm joined by Annie. Hi. And Sophie. Hey. And this episode, we're talking about our favourite childhood books and childhood books that we've encountered in general. Um, We're taking a walk down memory lane. We're going back in time. We're uncovering the, uh, the works of fiction that started it all off. And um, with that note, I'm going to go to Annie. What was the start for you or, or what books were really memorable in your childhood? Yeah. So when I think of like the earliest first books, and I think Sophie, we were talking about this, you have this too. What I think about quite often are the sort of the massive like compendium type treasury sort of books. Um the one I had was the Hutchinson's Treasury of Stories to Read Aloud. And it was so great because it had everything in it, like all of your classic picture books. It had um, D.W. the Picky Eater, you know, the Arthur the Aardvark story. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the one I where she cut. Yeah. Um, it I had... Was Pardon? I, I, I didn't realise that was a book. Yeah. Had I, uh, Harry the... It had um oh god I'm on the spot now I can't think of anyone any books it just had <laughs> all of the best children's books oh it had good night moon it had like it was just oh. incredible because it was all there and it was all it was sort of designed to be for kids who were starting to read by themselves but also your parents could read it to you and it had pictures but it was like all there in one massive book um yeah I feel like that was like the beginning of me sitting down and just reading everything I could get my hands on. Mm. Did you also encounter those sorts of books? So, yeah. So, like the main companions I remember reading as a kid were like Atticus, the Storyteller's Hundred Greek Myths, which Annie actually mentioned back in our book origins. Yeah, it was just an incredible classic. Uh, see, I feel like I'm left out. Like I missed something in my childhood that could have been <laughs> life changing. There. It, it was just it was it was one of those books that I could like sit down and just read all day um and the other kind of companions that I had I had a couple of that were like fairy tales so I know I had one that was specifically like Hans Christian Andersen one that was more general mm. fairy tales I also definitely had one that was like Shakespeare for kids where it would like wow make all of like summarize the plays in like really oh my simplified. god was it the Charles and Mary Lamb ones uh, I don't remember. Sorry, I I just want to jump in here with the story. Like Charles and Mary Lamb, um, wrote a load of Shakespeare stories from Shakespeare. I think they were called, and they were like they sort of packaged Shakespearean tales as children's books. I think they were brother and sister, and she ended up murdering him. Like one day, she just snapped. Oh my gosh! Wait, the authors? Yeah, yeah, the. Mary Lamb, like, hold on one minute. I'm going to Google this. That, that took a turn I didn't expect. Um. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I didn't either. Um, this turned into a true crime podcast now. So <laughs> we're taking a genre detour. Wow, okay, that, that is, uh... <laughs> I love how she's like, she just snapped. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. She snapped and killed their mother. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, okay. Well, mm. still not great. Still, yeah. 
Okay. I, I don't, I'm not sure if it was if it was that. I definitely didn't read any Shakespeare stories that made me want to snap and murder my mother. So, you know, that that's good. Um, but yeah, those were like books that I read a lot as a kid, and I really liked them because you kind of you could read you could read as much as you want, and you don't have to remember what came before or what came after. You could also just go into the book and find your favorite story and just read that, mm-hmm. which. I don't because you know sometimes you read a book and you just want to go back and you just want to read that one scene but then you're like where is it how do I find it and then you have to read the whole book this was nice because you could just dive in and out and I just need to know like what was it about her mum that she got really pissed off about was it (laughs) (laughs) what was it I just need to know these things I so I think what it I I have no idea but the story has always been told to me is they with this brother and sister who came from a very like uh, repressed Victorian household. And they wrote all of these, you know, this is how you sort of translating Shakespeare into repressed Victorian values for children. And then one day she just snapped. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> See, I think there's a true crime podcast episode in there somewhere. So yeah. Or possibly a whole series. A whole series. There we go. Only murders by the books. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right that it was just like it was the ability to have load books you could read by yours and that you could sort of flick in and out of. Um, also, this is not something that concerned me at all as a child, but is now a great tip for anyone who has to start buying presents for small children. Such great value. Like you can pay 10 quid and get one picture book or you can save 30 quid and get like 30. Yes. So, which I think is why, like they seem Mm -hmm. to always be birthday presents and Christmas presents and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like I got Attica as the storyteller from I mm. whenever we were thinking about it for origins. I had I went and had a look because I was convinced. I was like, oh, my mum must have bought this, and I looked at it. And it was actually from my aunt and uncle. They gave it to me when I was like five for Christmas, and I was like, wow, that is the best Christmas present they ever gave me. It was downhill from there. <laughs> that was a great guy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, um, Attica's the storyteller was a birthday present, I believe. Um, and I'm pretty sure that written in the cover of the Hutchinson's Treasury of Stories to Read Aloud is the people who gave it to me. It might have been my godmother, but I'm not sure. Um, Do you know what that just, a memory that just sparked for me? Did you ever encounter the, like, Egyptology? Yeah. Um, yes. yes. The, have, yeah. <laughs> else did they have? They had, like, something oceanology. dragon. Uh, dragonology dragonology Dragonology. was there one on witchcraft or magic or something like that there might have been a magicology I just I remember the dragonology books because I read the first in what was going to be like a series of of like narrative books based around the dragonology like theme and then I never found (laughs) the second one I just it was always just the one book and it ended on a cliffhanger as well oh, no. I can't remember anything about it I just remember being furious I couldn't find a second <laughs> I know I'm crying like oh <sighs> don't leave your young yeah. ones on a cliffhanger that's not those books they I think they shaped a lot of people I think those books made a lot of children want to be archaeologists or some sort of 
investigative, like some sort of historian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, dragonology, like, unfortunately, (laughs) that the closest you're going to get to that is dinosaurs. No, no. I read dragonology as a kid. Now I am Spencerian. It's a very niche joke. (laughs) Three people are in fits of giggles right now. Picture books. (laughs) Picture books. Yeah. So the treasury I had was a treasury of picture books. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Well, and I was just, I've been trying to think of like which books were really meaningful in there. And it's all like these really great classic children's picture books. I was just remembered where the wild things are. And I also, I wanted to talk about, did either of you ever read um, the story of, the stories of um, Amelia Bedelia? No. That sounds really familiar. It does sound familiar though. Okay. Amelia Bedelia as a kid, I was so obsessed with her. And it was only when I, so I have dyspraxia and it was only when I was much older that I realized that I related to Amelia Bedelia because she also was extremely dyspraxic. So what happens in the Amelia Bedelia story that I read as a kid is that Amelia Bedelia is a maid. She goes to work at this big fancy house and the, 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 husband and wife are off for a long day doing things but they say we've left you a list of chores for your first day in the kitchen go read them and it's like um dust the sitting room and so she finds a box of dusting powder and just sprinkles it all over and then it's like change the towels so she cuts shapes in them so they're changed draw the curtains and so she draws them put out the lights and so she goes out and hangs all the light bulbs on a washing line and I make mistakes like that all the time and it just like it wasn't until I was so much older that I was like oh my god Amelia Bedelia it was like me and that was why it was meaningful to me oh sorry I was just about to go because I was like I was trying to search for it and I thought because I thought that triggered something in in me and like oh maybe I have read it looked it up I haven't read it I'm sorry (laughs) but I think I might have read something like it yeah I think it was more an American thing than a UK thing I I couldn't tell you why it was in like I think it was American it was like a scholastic but like a US scholastic book Mm. and the Hutchinson's treasury of stories to read aloud was an American treasury that I just ended up with for some random reason you know like I don't think a lot of British kids read Amelia Bedelia Yeah, do you know what that? But what it did re- remind me of just now is I remember in year one I found this book, um, and it was like a retelling of Snow White, but it was set in like New York, and it was like I think it was like nineteen twenties New York, and it was a picture book, but it was like now that I think about it, I don't know if I should have been re- reading it when I was like five years old. Where did you find it? I, it was in the book section um I don't know so like the sort like, of classroom bookshelves kind of thing yeah um I really can't say like and it, the, the drawings were really pretty like like really beautiful it wasn't very kid-like at all um maybe they were just like it has pictures it must be for small children just puts it there yeah I think it might have like maybe one of the teachers <laughs> yeah. was like it's called Snow White yeah. in New York. 
uh by fiona mm-hmm. french i think yeah by fiona french yeah oh my gosh i'm just looking at the photos now they were really she <laughs> they were really like ahead of it <laughs> wow i can't believe it does anyone else find that you start talking about the books you read when you were a kid and it's sort of like talking about a dream that you once had you know yes that's what it feels like it's just it's random snatches of things and you suddenly remember like I'm so desperate to go google this dragonology book and see if there were ever (laughs) any sequels and that's the thing about like the older you get like it's almost like you you can at some point you reach like a key and you just get to unlock your memories and stuff and you'll just like have one and you're not sure if it was a dream or a memory and then you just google it and then you find oh it was a memory it is <laughs> this thing does exist it's very odd very weird um yeah. right shall shall we move on to some other books um yeah. i was t- um so one of my friends that i'm with she's working on um a Roald Dahl, um, I don't know if I can say this actually. Maybe I can't say this. Maybe it's like breaching <laughs> something. Maybe she's not allowed to. Well, I'll tell you guys anyway, and maybe I'll just edit it out. But she's working on um uh they're remaking Matilda. Uh okay. so Netflix are remaking oh Matilda, but um they're not only get, like they've just done a deal where they're not only remaking Matilda, they're gonna remake like all the Roald Dahl. I saw. I remember hearing about Netflix yeah. for all the rights to Roald Dahl. Yeah, so yeah, I remember that, which didn't, didn't sound good to me. I was so, like, "Well, my friend says it's okay." They are making this? a musical, I think. So I think they are musical. Oh, they're making the film. I think so. Yeah, I think. I don't think it's going to be like the Danny DeVito. Oh, movie. I'd re- I'd prefer that than like a, a like yeah yeah because I can. The Danny DeVito one is just sort of, it's, it's a iconic. permanent fixture, yeah, you know what iconic. I mean? Anyway, so Roald Dahl, that's what I wanted to get to. Mm. Roald Dahl, big, big player in the yeah. children's <laughs> literature game. Mm. Does anyone else have the um, the Revolting Rhymes one where he told like sort of extremely tongue-in-cheek, slightly mocking retellings of fairy tales? Probably. No, I never knew that. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't recall these books are like books that I read or just books that I know existed because I spent a lot of time in the library as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I probably read most of Roald Dahl. I never read Standing in the Champion of the World and I never read Going Solo. But mm. I probably I read I most of the rest of them. You know, The Twits, The Enormous Crocodile. Yeah. Um, George's Marvelous Medicine. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's great. James and the Giant Peach, I think, was one of yeah. my favourites, as was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. The Witches. Was it The Witches? Was it yeah, the Witches? no, The Witches. witches? I, I never saw the film of that, but I know a lot of people have a lot of love for that. Well, the, 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 the new one that they did? No, no, the no, old the old one. one. The old, I love I the old one. I don't think many people have a lot of love for the new one. I haven't really heard about it since it got made. Yeah, I've heard very few things and they have been exclusively yeah bad. i remember it when it came out yeah there was like a lot of negative like press around it and then i just don't think anyone gives a sh- 
bit about it anymore like it's 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 already gone like yeah if you're gonna yeah. watch it you're gonna watch yeah. the old one just it with fox was him right too but, yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's a great film. That yeah, is that, that animation. Oops. Yeah. yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, big player there. Oh, yeah, absolute classic. And Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Yes, yes. I remember nothing about what happens in Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator apart from the Great Glass Elevator. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know we have it. It's on a bookcase, but uh, I definitely read about it. Not a single thing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think. Th- don't they go pick up all of Charlie's family? And yeah, in the Great Glass Elevator, it goes up and down and mm. side to side. I can't remember. Do you know what? Um, it. I just was also reminded. So I got introduced to like probably Roald Dahl in about year two. So I was about six. But also, reading time. Did you guys yeah. have reading time when you were in part like? younger ages of primary school so like yeah you'd come back i we had three play yeah, times definitely. so you had morning play you time three play times yeah well uh, only up until year three we had three play <laughs> okay. times um so you had one in the mid-morning one during your lunch hour and then the third one was towards the end of the day and then you would go back in and before home time we'd have reading time and my year two teacher would read us um sometimes Roald Dahl but mostly Horrid Henry Hmm. and Horrid Henry has a really big like has a significant place in my heart which I didn't think it would actually knowing the kind of person I am I read a lot of Horrid Henry as a kid I'm pretty sure I had the Horrid Henry omnibus do you (laughs) I don't think I have it anymore I think oh it's weird yeah but I think we might have get some of them. Uh, we definitely had like at least a few of them in one paperback. Yeah. But like, I think we may have given that to my cousins. Well, but they were like, it would be like, oh, Horrid Henry Has Nits would be the title. And then there would be four chapters. And each chapter was like an individual story about Horrid Henry. Mm. And then the omnibus was like the first five books. So 20 stories, plus some extra like poetry that I remember only because there was a poem about um seasickness that ended now it's time to feed the fishes <laughs> like that line has just stuck with me i just remember my teacher doing the voices and like doing really good voices for horrid henry and like she'd change it with perfect peter and like she'd go squeaky for perfect peter she'd go low for horrid henry she'd go like lispy for moody margaret and it was like it was amazing we Everybody loved it. I just have this really clear memory of my dad reading me Horrid Henry in the evening. So my parents, one of them would read to me in the evening before I went to sleep. Mm. Yeah, my parents did that too. Or I would read to them or we'd read together or something. I can't remember. But whatever it was, we were reading a Horrid Henry book and I said something to him about, oh, Horrid Henry, he's horrid, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, no, the thing about Horrid Henry is that his parents aren't very good parents. Yeah. And yeah. for the rest of the time that I read Horrid Henry, I felt like I had this secret knowledge <laughs> that the real problem was Horrid Henry's parents were terrible parents and he was the like... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's true. 
oh no as an adult i'm now like yeah that's true they've so obviously didn't care what henry liked and they so obviously preferred perfect peter what bullshit but as a kid, it was just like this secret knowledge of like, I know something, I, you know, <laughs> I know that these grown-ups are terrible. <laughs> you had the inside knowledge. You, you read beyond the lines. Yeah. I, you know, I did some deep dive reading into Horrid Henry and actually, no, I just cribbed it off what dad told me. But, you know. When we grow up, we kind of realise that maybe some of the characters we created or that we instantly put in as kind of villainous or just a, a antagonist it was actually it is more complicated like when you're a child and you read a book it's so much clearer it, or you you think it's so much clearer who's good and who's bad and then you grow up and you're like no but the parents weren't great like like with charlie and the to- chocolate factory well Willy wonka is weird you know like why would he be put doing oh my god Willy all these kids job. like it, it, it is an interesting yeah. thing to kind of look back at these books and go, hmm, maybe maybe I got the wrong end of it when I was younger. I see clearly now. Yeah, Roald Dahl, his books are full of like really awful manipulative adults. And at a certain point, you just want to be like, why does child services not exist in Roald Dahl's universe? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean... He was writing in the 50s, that's why. But um, Yeah. Also, it made me think, do you guys know if there are any books that you loved, like when you were young enough that you were reading with your parents and books that you loved that your parents hated? Mm, I can't really think of any because my parents... Well, like, my parents didn't really read to me when I was younger. So there was that, but... No, I can't really think of any. What about you, Sophie? I think because, like, I mean, my, my parents were like, you know, my mom was buying books. I think if she didn't didn't like it, she would just be like, I'm not, I'm not reading that. Um, like, I knew she 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 definitely said that, like, after the first three Harry Potter books, she felt them less enjoyable. But like, I think that's true of most people. Like, that's the place I can't do it and say, like, yeah, I didn't think these books were worth reading, but you kids were invested, so I did it anyway. Like, most of the time, my mom's just going to be like, no, this is rubbish. I'm not reading this for the children and then just throw away <laughs> oh god we had my my dad could not stand the faraway tree books by enid blyton in fact i think neither parent could stand the faraway tree books like and i i was obsessed with them and also both my parents hated harry potter did they and so they made a deal oh they hated <laughs> harry potter and they made a deal that mum would read the books if dad took us to the films wow. sharing the pain sharing the struggle yeah that is a yeah. true relationship right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sturdy marriage. Yeah. And obviously, you know, dad would read me Horrid Henry, but in his side, he was like, these are terrible parents. These are terrible parents. <laughs> yeah. Maybe my parents are just extremely picky and opinionated. <laughs> no, I think I th- my, my parents weren't like that for books because they didn't read that to me, but they were definitely like that for TV shows. Like they could not stand Barney when I was growing up and I loved no, no parent could ever stand Barney I loved Barney as well um and also also the tweenies I think I my parents Barney. could not stand the tweenies but I was obsessed mm. with the tweenies so I don't know if you know I mean you definitely don't know this but you know 
so my house growing up was like we moved into it when I was about six or seven my sister was yeah 10 or 11 no five or six nine or ten mm. um and it has like a fr- it's the classic two up two down it has a front room and a back room and a staircase basically in a kitchen um and previously there was a big arch room archway where the wall between the front room and the back room was it was all like interconnected yeah and my parents decided to brick up the archway (laughs) and create two separate rooms um because they were so fed up of trying to read the newspaper on a saturday morning while me and libby watched dick and dom in the bungalow (laughs) oh dick and dom they were classic they just found it so irritating that they bricked up an archway (laughs) uh do you, do you know what I got? I think my parents might have gotten annoyed with is is having to sit with me when I was going through my reading scheme because it it must have been really tiring for them, really tedious because yeah, phonics isn't isn't like gripping material. No, especially no, because it starts with like sounds, you know. So you first learn bat and cat and hat. And there's a very mm. limited number of words that children can read in that like first stage of phonics. And those books sound so repetitive and there's really not much you can do like about plot when you only have, you know, Matt, cat. Yeah. So yeah. they must be so irritating. But also I was a very slow reader. Like I, I didn't like literature and like literacy for me was not my favorite subject. I, and I wasn't very good at it um, back then. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think my teachers said to my parents, oh, she really needs to read more. So they like before school, we'd get to school earlier. And like in the car, we would just read um, before they dropped me off. So like I could just sit down and read, and I just remember <laughs> sometimes you know yeah. when you're you, you you just assume words are gonna come <laughs> out come after those words, but, it, but they're not written on on the page. Yeah. So you don't necessarily read what's on the page. You're just saying words because that's how you're assuming the sentence is gonna go. And my mom, my mom would stop me, and she'd go, "No." Does it say that on the page? It doesn't. Start again. <laughs> By the like... way, for any international readers, uh, international listeners, um, a reading scheme is like uh, a school will have a specific set of books like phonics or um, Magic Key, I think is the one that was very popular when we were kids, designed to like be read by students to learn to read. And every day you go home with a different book from the reading scheme while you were learning to read. And it was just... Oh. Yeah, if, if you just say Biff and Chip to Biff any Chip. UK educated person, there will be a a, a shudder. You keep saying that, and I'm getting nothing. Like my memory is you didn't oh, read Biff, Biff and, Chip and Chip and the Magic Key. What was the dog called? The dog was Kipper? called Kipper. Floppy. No, the dog Floppy. was called Wait, Floppy. Wait, Biff and Chip. No, so the kid was two... called. <laughs> the kid was called Kipper, and then wait, the dog wait. was called Floppy. Oh, Biff and Chip, the people from Magic Key. <laughs> Yeah, who names their child Kipper? Oh, okay. Who names their child after a fish? Biff and Chip and Kipper. So Biff? B- Biff, Chip and Kipper, they sound like they own a chippy shop. <laughs> Shoot. 
Which one was Biff and which one was Chip? Biff was the girl, Chip was the boy. Okay, so Biff had like a fringe and brown hair and a ponytail and Chip yeah. and Kipper, they look like the big and the small version of each other and they no, had they like don't. blonde haircuts. Kip, no, Kipper has, no, Biff and Chip look like each other. They're twins, I think. Like Biff just has a fringe and like Chip has like a middle part. I swear to God, Biff is a brunette. And then Kipper is the only blonde one. No, Chip is brunette. Kipper is blonde. I'm, I'm going to Google a picture. And looks like he kind of gives me like um, Hey Arnold vibes. Oh my God, you're right. Okay. I think I probably did read this because I remember the Magic King. I don't remember the names. Of, but I think the thing for me is like, when I was a kid, I just read a, a lot to the extent that like, I don't remember the books that I was made to read by school if that makes sense. Because I was just busy like reading other shit or getting read other stuff. I, like, I just don't. Yeah. So I think, I think what's happening here is that these are the books that everyone reads for maybe like six months a year. But if you like get stuck on a level of reading scheme or if you do a lot of reading to like learn how to read extra reading with your parents, stuff like that, you read a lot of Biff, Chip and Kipper, whereas if you learn to read quite fast, you sort of skip through them. Yeah. And this brings me to my magic key scam story. Okay, tell us about this scam. Okay, right. So, to set the scene, I was a sort of... <laughs> I was a weird bookish child. I'm sure you can picture this. Mm. Um and when I was in year one, I finished um, my school's Biff, Chip and Kipper reading scheme. Like I was done. Um, I had read all of the level of the books. In year one? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so, I really was behind. <laughs> no, no, I was stupidly ahead. But it wasn't <laughs> a good thing, as you will find out in a second. Because I completely stumped my teachers and they made me read on to this new extra reading scheme that was awful. Like the books were so boring and they didn't have characters (laughs) and they they were just like bizarre. And and this was was like like brown, like you'd had different colored spines. Yeah, it was purple and then blue. Yeah, yeah, I had to go on the same one. Yeah. That that sucks because like when I read ahead one time and they were just like go yeah, to the Sophie. school library and pick a book that you want to read and I was like no, hey, they just I get out of class early and I get to pick my own book I think because but you didn't go you, they don't didn't have to follow the curriculum in your school too much they could yeah actually yeah yeah so the true. um and this was at the end of year mm. one like don't get me wrong it was right towards the end of year one. And I was so frustrated and I found them irritating. And oh, oh, the other thing you should know is that they were longer than Biff, Chip and Kipper books. And you had to read them aloud. Like once a week, you'd be sort of, you'd have a one-on-one with the teacher where you'd have to read them aloud. And I have always talked very quickly. And I found it really frustrating that they'd be like, no, 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 no. 
read slower so your audience can understand. And I'd be like, but we're only here for me to learn how to read and I can do it. Why are you making me slow down? <laughs> like, I was so frustrated at the idea that when I was called up to read to a teacher, they cared what I, like, I was like, come on, we both know that you don't care what this story is about. So let's drop the pretense. I'll do it as quickly as possible. And then we can go sit down. And they were like, no, 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 go slowly. Um, I just found it so frustrating and so irritating. So anyway, at the end of that year, I moved to a different school. Um, and this school, uh, they, they sort of, in the entrance exam, uh, yeah. My dad was shown three books uh, and was asked, which do you think that Annie could read? And he said, oh, she could definitely read this. She could probably read this. And eh, maybe she could read this on a good day. And the headmistress goes, oh, you've placed them in reverse order of difficulty. Like you've said she could definitely read the easiest and she could maybe read the hardest. Um, and he said, oh, and the headmistress said, oh, OK, so we'll give her the hardest. Then. No, you meant you mean the other way around. You could maybe read the easiest, but you could definitely read yeah, the hardest. Yeah, I could maybe read the easiest, but I could definitely read that anyway. So they gave me the hardest <laughs> and I, they gave me the most difficult book and I loved it and I, I read it. And so I was sort of going into this school known mm. as someone who could read a lot. Um, and then I, th I think it, it must've been in my notes or something, but then uh, my form tutor sort of, in the first time that the like reading time where we all went up to the bookshelves and chatted with the teacher and got mm. a book of the year, right? My teacher said to me, so, I, I, and I think, you know, it was in my notes, strong reader or something. Cause she said to me, so what do you like to read? And I said, and I looked at the bookshelves and I saw some magic yeah. tree books. And I was like, only <laughs> Biff Chip and Kipper books nothing else <laughs> I have never progressed beyond Biff Chip and Kipper I can read nothing but Biff Chip and Kipper that is the only thing I can read I, I'm stuck on magic tree I can't read anything else if you try to make me read anything harder pardon? you mean magic key right Biff Chip and... oh magic key you said magic Sorry. tree twice yeah. well well magic key is part of the isn't it called the tree reading scheme it's the oxford reading yeah. tree so yeah. no, that's where you got mixed yeah. up but i was like yeah no i can read nothing but magic key books because they tried to give me the books that they gave you once you'd finished magic key books and they were really boring <laughs> and so i was like right no one knows me here this is my opportunity if i just pretend like these are all i can read then they'll never make me read the boring books I love how it's like punishment for reading for being your head that like oh you you finished the reading scheme go read the boring books shame yeah. on you child I kept it up for three months I was gonna ask how how long you kept it up can you imagine the teacher who who just like said oh what can you read and you go oh, only magic key that's all I can read and so they just go but they have on your file it says oh she's a really great reader I'm like, I'm sorry, somebody's gotten, somebody's done some wrong filing here. So they must have had like, they, you must have been talked about in the-, in the Yeah, they sent the acceptance letter to the wrong child. They must have had a chat about you in the teacher's lounge or something like that. Like they definitely had a discussion about who did your file wrong. Three months, three glorious months, right? <laughs> well, no, September, four months, four glorious months 
nothing but magic key. You're a con artist. And then finally, like at this point, I am significantly behind all the other children in reading, right? And everyone's concerned (laughs) and no one knows what to do. Um, So I am over the Christmas holidays and I'm sent home with a magic key book and a very easy chapter book. Mm. Okay. And a note that says, look, she is significantly behind all the other readers in class. We just need you to sit with her, get this reading done. And we're going to try come January to move on to slightly more challenging books. So I finished the magic key book because of course, and then I finish the other book that they sent me. And then, you know, I read some more books that I'd got for Christmas and my parents twig that something (laughs) weird is happening. So I am sent back to school unbeknownst to me with like, oh, she really enjoyed the book about the polar bear that you sent her home with and the magic key book. And here's a list of all the other books she read by herself over Christmas, just, you know, for fun. Um, And within a week I went from the worst reader in class to the second best. You had to say goodbye to the magic key. Yeah, no, but it wasn't good because I could no longer read magic key books. And I had to do more reading with the teacher and like really slow reading where you pause between each word and it was just the dullest thing. So if any children are listening, keep lying i hope children aren't listening to this podcast (laughs) okay hopefully children aren't listening to this podcast but if a child ever looks to you for advice dear listeners you just got to tell them yep no keep lying because the truth gets you you know more reading time and more boring reading time and less good magic key books yeah forget all the things your child has grown up with in the media like telling them to share and telling them to always tell the truth and everything like oh, that please sharings for toddlers and hippies <laughs> yeah so that's my that's my magic key reading scam i just thought i thought your scam was just like you skipped over magic um, the magic key <laughs> thing I, I didn't think that you would try to stay on the magic key for as long as possible who knows we could have had a 24 year old annie still on the magic key no if i'd had my word i'd be here at 24 still telling people no i can read nothing but magic key books like sneakily yeah 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 your phd is in the magic key I'm just sneakily reading like Richard Stanahurst and Neon on the side. And then I go into my supervisor and I'm like, well, I tried, but still nothing but magic key books. Sorry. Because your PhD is just magic key. That's it. (laughs) Anyway, um, so progressing more into maybe later years of early education, Mm -hmm. what were some of the books that, apart from having to read within the reading scheme or during reading time were like big players in in like your literature journey one book one author that i got into kind of from books that we were made to read in school was mallory blackman um yeah because in year so this is a bit later so in year five so when you're around nine or ten we read Pickup Boy in school, which 
it's a very interesting book to introduce to young children because that's all about the ethics of using and you know using an animal for human transplants and you know the ethics of all of this yeah i i never read it but i did see the bbc yeah. adaption did i see the adaption i can't remember but yeah so interest i have no idea why we were reading that um although i would say the book does a very good job of introducing what is a very complicated topic to children oh yeah um, of course it does but like yeah it's, it's a very book. Uh, it's yeah and so me being you know uh nerdy bookish person that i am i then started kind of picking up more mallory blackman books because i enjoyed pick Heart boy um so i feel like i've mentioned it before because endgame is like the only book that i'm not that I've been reading recently. Yeah. Norse and Crosses was the main series that, like, of hers that I got into and just stuck with me permanently because of just how kind of, yeah, just because of how interesting that series is, which I definitely probably read maybe a bit too young. I don't think it's for 10 year olds, but my parents. So the weird thing is, I'm pretty sure I also read Norse and Crosses at around the same age. And I found it so distressing I mean, that I just honestly, never read that's, the second that's, or the third fair. one. Like, mm. like incredible book written beautifully. I think that's I, around I just, the age I of because it is a because I reread it recently, like um, when the BBC made the adaptation of it, and like it is really easy to read. Like it's very simply written. The sentences are very long. The language is really simple, so yeah. it's it's definitely sort of aimed at like maybe slightly younger audiences than you'd expect given the subject matter um because it makes it very kind of easy to comprehend um but yeah <laughs> it, it's in, yeah and the funny thing was also like yeah. my mom's work they you know like she works for like yeah. an american bank and they God. they did like they did black history month stuff and they wanted um mm. you know they all had to like write articles for the you know inter internet or whatever and my mom couldn't figure out who to do, so I just kind of like I told her to do Mallory Blackman because she's like the first black children's laureate in the UK. Um, and then oh, yeah, uh, so she kind of helped me sort of spread, write a little bit about kind of why I liked her so much as an author. Yeah. And then some of her colleagues were like, "Oh, this sounds this also across this series sounds really interesting. My child is like nine or ten. Is this a good book for them?" And I was like, "It's a great book. You should probably warn them that there's like capital punishment." sex mm. terrorism so like it's a great book but you just might want to let them know about that beforehand mm. before they read it today <laughs> yeah you know what now as an adult thinking about the plot i can sort of see what you like <laughs> tem was probably also a bit too young to understand what was going on you know now i can see how clever and how brilliant it was but like yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's a lot like the same for a lot of books we read when we were younger like for me looking back at Jacqueline Wilson books because she was my favorite author as a kid I I would get I think I had nearly all of her books and the the topics that she would discuss like I remember my sister Jodie that was probably one of my favorite books but it 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 touches on suicide and like to read that sort of content when you're around nine or ten I don't I don't know I, I guess I just didn't register how yeah. how great it was to be exposed to mental health issues at that time or like yeah. um class poverty and like 
um you know the way like bread and breakfasts were and and you know uh children's homes and that sort of thing but it not being a oh look at how bad this is but being a just being a kid in that environment like they're a kid like me and like they're just they're just in a different environment I think I only read a couple of Jacqueline Wilson ones and I now like I know all the names and I know all the books but I can't match the plots to the books Mm. what is the one where her best friend got run over by a truck (laughs) I do not remember that one was that was that that Lola Rose (laughs) oh I thought it was maybe best friends no best friends nobody died in best friends oh oh Vicky 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 Angel. Angel yes that was it yes Vicky Angel. Oh, yeah. okay. And I definitely yeah. read I The Illustrated Mum. Yeah. Yes, The Illustrated Mum. And what's the one with... Um, oh, you know, the really rich girl who um, whose mother is a fashion something, something, something. And I'm thinking of one with two, two girls. One, so it's sort of like a, you know one rich girl, one poor girl who become friends kind of thing. Might be best friends. The mother's the fashion model. One of them's the the less wealthy one is very skinny and ends up being a fashion model at the end. I'm not sure if I remember that one, but that sounds I that don't know. Sounds I'm going to Google it. I might reread these. What? One of them lives, one of them hides in an attic, runs away and hides oh, in gosh. an attic. Um... They're obsessed with the diary of Anne Frank. And it ends with them going to Denmark for like a fashion shoot for the like the you know the friend and the mother and the daughter comes along and then they like Oh my gosh, I can see it in my head, but I can't tell you the name of it. And I'm pretty sure the last lines were like, Oh, and we saw um the and we saw the books, but Oh, Secrets. Oh, Secrets. Secrets is a young adult book by Jacqueline Wilson, published in 2002, told from the point of view of two pre-adolescent girls treasuring India via their diary entries. Uh, despite their different backgrounds, treasure coming from a violent and abusive household, India having a rich but inattentive parents, the girls strike up a friendship and their stories begin to intertwine. The diary of Anne Frank is frequently referred yes. to in the novel. Yes, yeah. Oh, Wow. I remember loving Double Act and Lottie Project. Those were my two favourite ones, I think, when I was a kid. Yeah, I really loved My Sister Jodie. I like Candy Floss. Oh, yeah, that one was fun. Yeah. Who went to uh, Australia. She had to move to Australia. Um, And I remember in the book that it had a... um, That her room was like... um, She had like cherry bedsheets. And like, I think it was like a mixture of red and, and uh, white in her room and stuff and pink. And I just thought, and when I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like the coolest room ever. <laughs> and I want her interior designer. Sorry, I got distracted rereading the plot of... Um... What was it that you loved so much about Jacqueline Wilson? Like, oh, why was I she your favorite book, do you I, think? I just think, I don't, I, do you know what? It was just like stories about, and the main characters were always girls and it was just like really good stories about feminine protagonists but like young girls that I just felt when I read like I read it I felt like they were normal girls and 
they weren't like magical in any way or or fantasy it just felt really like comforting it felt like another like another friend that I had and just telling me about their life and their story if that makes sense I feel like gorgeous girls love Jacqueline Wilson you know what I mean like if if you're telling me you read Jacqueline Wilson when <laughs> you were in primary school, that's a green flag for me. Do you know, I think another thing that matters with the author, the, like the authors and the books that you read and love as a kid, is just like the number. So, I think the books that you mm. sort of, when you're a kid, the sort of the best thing to get into reading is just to get in, invested in an author or a series or a set of books. And then just like read and read and read and read and read. Like, you know, um, I'm thinking, I know people who grew up obsessed with the Baby Scissors Club. Like, and I remember going into the library and seeing all of the Baby yes. Scissors Clubs lined up on the wall. All the Rainbow Fairies, do you remember them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, and that. desperately trying to find my name on that. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and the same with Jacqueline Wilson, you know, there was just so much of it. And you could read them yeah. and read and read and read and read. And Horrid Henry and Roald Dahl, same thing, you know? Yeah. What <laughs> it really takes to fall in love with reading is something that makes you pick up the next book. And then when you finish that, the one after that, you know? Yeah. And it's different for every kid what works for them. But mm-hmm. like, like, I remember as a kid being obsessed with Paddington. Um, I had all of the Paddington books and they were just kind of funny. Um, and you know Paddington was clumsy and kind and made a lot of mistakes and it and it had that kind of like I don't know I remember liking Paddington was kind and wanted to do good things Um, and it was always funny when he got it wrong Um, but it was that same thing of like there are just like you know there are maybe 20 of them you can just read yeah I think yeah I There was some, I think once you find a book series when you're that age and like you like the voice or you like the format of the stories, Mm. you just feel like it's a, like that author is a safe space to go to. You know how baby ducks imprint on the first person they see? Yes. Yeah. I think like a child who loves reading will just imprint on yeah. one author or one series and then just read all of them yeah I agree I completely agree with that it almost doesn't matter which series you know the person who you are gets shaped by the series that you read but like sometimes it's just coincidence it's just what's there you know do you think sometimes they're written just for the child or are they also kind of written with the adults in mind as well it depends like I think books books that are meant to be read aloud to kids I would imagine that like those probably are written with the parents in mind because they'll be kind of written with that you know intent to be you know read by someone older but I guess it I guess it kind of just depends on what the focus of the author is I suppose I think what you're trying to get at is like the best children's books especially from a parent's perspective, are the ones that have the same values that you do as a parent. Mm. And I know, like, I can't speak for you guys, but I feel like a lot of the books that I loved as a kid still affect the values I have today as an adult. 
um, I think about this a lot with, um, I feel like the entire world discovered or possibly rediscovered Paddington when the films came out and they were like, oh, it's so nice. It's an entire set of books around, of, of, you know, it's this film about this bear who's yeah, kind. Everybody loves Paddington. Um, but it's also, yeah, but it's also about an yeah. immigrant. Um, and my grandfather was an asylum seeker. And so I think my parents really liked that Paddington was about effectively an asylum seeker, mm. I suppose. And I, yeah, I think it, I think the best children's books sort of reflects that the best children's books, they aren't necessarily preachy or sort of holier than thou, but they enact the values that you want kids to have. Yeah. And I think also, I guess, are they valid? I think definitely when it comes to Paddington and stuff that it's a value perspective, but it's also just a introduction into diversity. Well, I think Jacqueline Wilson did a huge amount for (laughs) people of our generation, especially like, you know, I think the three of us maybe grew up in some respects fairly privileged, but Jacqueline Wilson books were just an amazing way to sort of give you empathy for, for, people who are less well off than you and help you to understand that those experiences yeah I think having settings of so different social classes and like friendships formed for with people from these different classes like there's something yeah. very pure about children's friendships that yeah it's so nice mm-hmm. to have it in books and I think when we grow up we kind of it, it becomes harder and I think but to have it in books oh sorry just to finish off I'd say to have it in books and like for a young child it it makes the child who, whatever class they're in either feel seen in the books or understand a different perspective yeah what I was gonna say is I think I think Mallory Batman kind of does something similar for as far as it comes to race because Whilst Nelson Cross is, is very explicitly about race, a lot of her other stories kind of aren't, but they always, always feature, you know, black main characters because there just aren't many. If you're reading children's literature, it, British children's literature pretty much solely yeah. focuses around white children, which is probably something that's changing. And I know one reason that I love Checkmate so much as a kid was because it was the only book I read as a child that had a mixed race protagonist. Like I didn't, I never read any mm-hmm. other book like I can remember that actually centered that. And I think, again, it's all about kind of, you know, learning to understand differences. So obviously it's very valuable, you know, if you are like, and you're reading this and for the first time you have characters that look like you, but at the same time, it's very important. You know, it's, it's valuable for readers of other ethnicities to kind of read these books, understand some of the struggles that come with them whether that's like a main theme or not and then just yeah it's I, I think it's all about building empathy essentially in children and yeah and learning that's, to value yeah. other people's perspectives yeah. yeah I think definitely perspectives is something that books are so good at, at sharing yeah for us and it's it's a way to understand somebody else's world that we may not get to understand yeah which I sort of think is a really beautiful conclusion to wrap up with. 
yeah it is um yeah. so on that note um thank you for uh anybody listening and taking and reaching the end of the episode we all really appreciate it um and next week will be next week will be our christmas episode our christmas book club episode our christmas book club episode we hope that you are reading along with us um we are reading uh, midnight in everwood by ma kuznia and um it's a retelling of the nutcracker uh very on on christmas theme there and we uh we hope to well we hope that you'll join us in that next episode and yeah thank you for listening and we will hopefully talk to you again soon right. bye bye, bye.